What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned into another episode of the Blue and Green podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name's Imran, and we have a really, really great episode for you today. Before we uh, dive in, quick mention as always the Blue and Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue and Green Radio. We uh, are the online internet radio station uh, based in London, but with an incredible amount of shows from around the world all joining in to celebrate our adoration and affection and uh, unwavering passion for contemporary soul, jazz, funk, hip-hop and uh, Latin music. So uh, we hope you'll uh, be inclined to check us out at blueingreenradio.com you'll find our never ending <laughs> never ending it's also 24 hours a day stream uh, radio stream there and you'll also find the full backlist catalog of our podcasts this is episode 74 one of uh, great not specifically a milestone but uh, I think it's a it's a wonderful number very very proud um, today's episode sees me uh, in London who uh, spend a long time which is awesome with Sean so far uh, who is based in Niigata, Japan. We have, uh, he is also the creator uh, of the Raw Select Music brand and um, and we, yes, we, we have a, a, an epic session of uh, discussing music in, in all sort of all its wonderful glory. Uh, we talk, um, a huge bulk of um, the conversation is about uh, basically our opinions of music in 2020, things that we uh, just loved and uh, I'm very, very excited about. So, and that's the bulk of our conversation. We also um, spend some time uh, discussing the very, very sad passing of uh, MF Doom, which was a real uh, blow. Um, I think I say in the uh, the episode, it was just like the, the final kick in the uh, in the world, well, kicking the nuts really from 2020. So his passing was very, very sad. So we we spend some time talking about. Um, uh, do his music as well, so I won't set this up anymore because uh, I, um, I'm, you know, I'm keen for you guys to hear our conversation. So, um, in uh, regular listeners will know we have two songs featured on each episode. Our guest picks our closing number, but I have the luxury of picking the opening one. And uh, in line with um, uh, our tributes to MF Doom, I'd like to open with uh, accordion. I, I kind of went back and forth about what to play. I nearly played the album version of accordion uh, from obviously Mad Villini with Madlib um, and then in the conversation I have with Sean we do discuss uh, MF Doom's turn 
on Zero Seven's Danger Mouse remix of Somersault, and I thought I'd play that for a moment, but I've reverted to accordion, however, I've gone into a new third avenue of playing the Fortet remix of it, because I think that would be nice. So, uh, that's my song right now, Uh, as soon as that uh, song completes, you will uh, hear myself talking to Sean. So, uh, thanks very much for tuning in, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode today, uh, please visit us once again at blueandgreenradio.com and uh, all the very best friends Living off borrowed time, the clock tick faster. That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster. Dick dastardly and muttly with sick laughter. A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. I C E Cole, nice to be old. Y two G D twice to threefold. He sold scrolls, low and behold. Know who's the illest ever, like the greatest story told. Keep your glory gold and glitter. For half, half of his niggas will take him out the picture. The other half is rich and it don't mean shit to. Villain, a mixture between both with a twist of liquor. Chase it with more beer, taste it like truth for dear. When he at the mic, it's like the place get like, oh yeah. It's like they know what's about to happen. Just keep your eye out, like I eye capping. Is he still a fly guy clapping if nobody ain't hear it? And can they testify from in the spirit? And living the true gods, giving y'all nothing but the lick like two broads. Got more lyrics than the church, got ooh lords. And he hold the mic in your attention like two swords. Or either one with two blades on it. Hey you, don't touch the mic like it's AIDS on it. Yuck, it's like the end to the means. Fuck type of message that sends to the fiends. That's why he bring his own needles. And get more cheese than Doritos, Cheetos or Fritos. Slip like Freudian, your first and last step to playing yourself like accordion. At the mic, you don't go next. Leaving pussy cats like why hoes need Kotex. Exercise index won't need Bowflex and won't take the one with no skinny legs like Joe Tex. So, uh, well, how's your 2021 going so far? You're you're a day in. You're nine hours ahead of me. So I'm I'm well. I'm technically on the second of January now as well. It's oh, just gone with it. Twenty past midnight for me. It's twenty past nine a.m. Uh, for you, you're uh, you know a day and a bit in. How's your how's your? Is it the uh, the uh, the year of uh, reprieval that everyone imagined it would be following the year that was 2020? <laughs> I think everyone's ho- I think everyone's being a little bit too optimistic. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in the I, UK I, and they, um, you know, it, it's funny on Facebook. Even UK people are all, you know, said they're on the WhatsApp. They're sending all these gifts and memes about 2021 kicking out 2020 and all these kind of fun, funny things. Hey, it's 2021 is going to be great. Currently in the UK, more people are in hospital due to coronavirus than there has been 
at any point in 2020. So like April was considered our peak. Uh, mm-hmm. There are currently more people in hospital now. Uh, schools have, have now been shut indefinitely. Oh, um, so yeah, so we, I, you know, they were due to go back on the 4th of January. Now they've closed it and it's indefinite. So there's speculation. It could be two weeks. The speculation, it could be two weeks into next month. Um, so we're, we're not, we're not starting at a good, a good, a good yeah, point. No yeah. 2021 at the moment is just as bad. <laughs> so, you know, I don't hold out the hope that everyone else has. Uh, at the moment but not in a negative way it's just in terms of i think it's going to be time and i'm not going to attribute every bad thing down to what down to four numbers and every good thing to another four you know so yeah you know what that's probably the the healthiest outlook for this whole situation yeah how was your year otherwise i mean when do you look back at 2020 i guess a lot of this conversation today is kind of going to be about that well you know obviously music is going to be the the somewhat the focus but how do you kind of look at just your 2020 in general I, how was it as you know, a for you? I, much like everyone else in the world i'm a victim of circumstance my situation in, in japan was a lot more comfortable than the the rest of the world which you know when you're when you're living your own reality and god yeah. talking like that but, but everyone, it's seemingly everyone else in the world was having such a horrible time. And all I could think was, this is a pretty average year. Yeah. And right. Aside from, aside from, you know, the inconvenience of having a few classes here and there cut at the beginning of the year, everything started up pretty much back to normal by June and it went solidly normal throughout the entire year. So That's yeah, really cool. I'd say on average it was a halfway decent year. I didn't lose any jobs. I was still making money. Uh, all of my DJ bar gigs were closed. So it forced me to get creative and, take on the hobby of doing the, the live streaming and yeah, that was, That's uh, right. that all has been this year, hasn't it? Yeah, of course. That yeah, has that was, been it cool. was, I think I started in April, it, mm, maybe, yeah. maybe April. I ended up down, uh, downloading the pioneer, uh, iPhone application. And then from there I started realizing that, I don't really want to be a Facebook DJ all that much. And it seemed like it made more sense to tie it back to my YouTube channel, mm. which took me down the rabbit hole of learning how to use uh, streaming software. Right. Well, that's such that, a staple now for you as well, isn't it? It's like, right. Such a, it's a been routine. Well, no, sorry, go ahead. I'm talking. No, no just to say, it's a, it, no, I'm sorry. I, I was interrupted. I was just going to say, it was, it's become such a staple of just your routine now. It's such a, yeah, indicative of everything on your YouTube channel and your Facebook and everything, isn't it? Well, it's so funny, too, because now it's the most popular content on my channel. Wow. So I spend hours and hours editing. Uh, I learned how to <laughs> sync audio to my uh, the, the videos that I've been making. So now I'm using uh, mic'd audio instead of the camera microphone that I was using before. So it sounds mm. a lot better. 10, 20 views. 
do a live stream. I'm basically just like picking my ass in front of everybody. <laughs> 30, 40, 50. I think I have one live stream that's close to 80 views now. Awesome. It, it awesome. feels great. I'm glad that mm. uh, I, I get the occasional comment from people that, uh, that the, the, my live streams are what they've been looking for, sort of that wide variety of music that I've been doing with the Raw Select radio shows for the longest time. So the fact that it's somehow reaching people and they're getting back to me and saying that this is what they wanted to hear is been immensely gratifying. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. But you're right. It's funny you put the, the other, the, the reviews and everything, uh, I think that goes into that. But um, obviously, yeah, there's no telling what people are going to gravitate towards, is there? Really, yeah, and you just kind of have to go with the flow. If people are enjoying more the the live stream stuff, then let me figure out a way to make that content better. So one of the immediate goals for 2021, as weird as it sounds, is uh, to buy better lighting for the room. <laughs> I know your setup was pretty good. It's all it's all right. I You're not I there's a my own personal feeling about the uh, fluorescent light in the room. It's just so bright and sterile, and gives right, off okay. a feeling of like an office building. I'm not a fan of it at all. I see. Right. Okay. Man. Lamps, candles, I'm... dude. Red lights. Uh, <laughs> Ambiance. <laughs> no, no, I'll send it to you later. But I actually found a uh, picture of. D, DJ Spinner doing a, uh, a gig and he had like this old 1970s lamp behind him and had that beautiful incandescent warmth behind him and it's like that's the vibe that I want right so yeah the other thing I've been fiddling around with with the live stream stuff is how better to arrange the room as I, I like the two close-up angles that I have but I really don't like the wide angle shot that I've got. And I'm trying to figure out a better way to use the space. So there's not so much, uh, it, it, the, there, there's so much wasted space in that shot. I see what you're saying. And I'm trying to right. figure out how to better. The, the whole point of the wide shot in the first place was to say, Hey, look at all my records, my collection. I'm right. Cool. <laughs> I love me. And <laughs> please like me <laughs> but no go ahead how, how many how many setups do you have uh camera wise how, how many have you got on on the whole thing because you've got the shot of the decks mm-hmm. you've got the wide shot it's, it's just the two isn't it three i got i i uh worked in three cameras now oh of course you did right on yeah so, and uh, as of the recording of this, I ended up doing two live streams yesterday. And uh, sometime, I think at the, in the middle of last year, I ended up buying a third external web camera. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out how to get it to work. Because it, it seemed like it was overloading the, uh, I think it's the, the U, 
USB bus on my computer. It just couldn't handle handle it. Right. And being stuck at home over the last several days, I started fiddling around with it again. And then found out by just uh, pat myself on the back on this, like sheer ingenuity, that the program that I'm using for live streaming would remember where the camera was being plugged in, which USB port. And when I figured that out, I was like, oh, oh, okay. So if I use the USB port and disconnect it from the software and then re, uh, re-upload it into the, the software, it should recognize it. And I was right. So I figured I figured it out, and now I have uh, the third web camera going. So the quality of the visuals won't dip from oh, nice camera, nice camera. What what the hell? <laughs> shitty, shitty uh, MacBook, shitty MacBook camera. <laughs> Is it an expensive setup you've got? Not really. Between the the cameras themselves. Are about eighty bucks a piece. The microphone, I think, was about twenty bucks. Yeah. I bought a couple of I bought a couple of stands. They're maybe about twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. You could easily get away with. Long story short, you could easily get get away with a live streaming setup for probably about two or three hundred bucks. Okay. So I think probably maybe what one hundred and eighty pounds or something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure what the exchange rate is right now. That's probably about about right. Yeah, it's, it's it gets closer. Actually, the, mm. uh, the conversion well, I was, gets closer. Not not to go off too much on a tangent, sure. but I was really surprised at the how how the pound and the dollar are almost neck and neck at this point. I know. Yeah, I, like I said, yeah, it used to be. I remember we used to be about fifty percent of it. It yeah. used to be like three dollars was a pound fifty. Um, yeah, that was, and, uh, yeah hmm. it's some time ago now. Yeah, that, that was basically the standard for my entire life. Yeah, hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I, I've, I think what when it really hits me is when I'm buying from Bandcamp, and uh, it used to be twelve dollars for a CD, twelve dollars postage. Mm-hmm. And uh, it used to work out to about twelve pounds, <laughs> but oh, now it works out to about twenty pounds, twenty-two yeah. pounds. <laughs> so, uh, so really yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So it does. Um, yeah, that gap closes, and uh, yeah, so it goes. Do you well, have? I, I mean, know I've asked you. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. What were you say? Oh, no, I was going to say. I, I guess one of the uh, silver linings of 2020 was the way that Bandcamp really stepped up to help artists out this year. Yeah, it was quite an ingenious move. I imagine, you know, in a not in a a bit not a sarcastic way, but I imagine it's something that's helped them a hell of a lot as well. Oh, but I'm sure. I, yeah, but I, I think that it was a genius play and i think then the fact that they 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 keep doing it they've announced Bandcamp fridays for 2020 for, excuse me for 2021 now mm. uh, as well so I, I think the fact that they did that is is it, it was an inspired idea it, it genuinely was and um to see like the only bad thing about it is on Bandcamp fridays my inbox floods 
<laughs> like everyone you've ever bought from you just you get notified emails 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 uh bank at friday bank at friday you're like oh my god oh my god that you feel the real stress of the day because you can't not buy on that that yeah. <laughs> on that day yeah for sure and you just have to tally up where your money's gonna go or best be served so it's it's, it's become a stressful day in its own way so as someone who's never really bought anything from Bandcamp, so do you get notifications about stuff that's coming in? Are you getting constant emails from them about like, it's Bandcamp Friday, you bought such and so and so's yeah. music, so you might like these artists too? Um, actually, um, you don't get as much of those messages. Actually, thinking about it, yeah, I'm surprised I don't get more of those messages. But what it is is everyone. I think it's because everyone that you buy from, you're added to their mailing list. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's a really cool marketing thing as well because if you're an artist and you sell your music on Bandcamp, you can actually at any point just message everyone that's purchased from you because you now have their their details. So you message them through Bandcamp, and then everyone will get that email that that's purchased from you so it's all of those artists or their management or their label that all message so i'll get far out messages rope dope messages um ed brownswood emails and it's just like bank at friday bank at friday bank at friday here's what you can buy here's what you can buy it's like oh my god oh my god it's so stressful because everyone that you've ever bought from can email you uh, and to tell you yeah to tell you that you know buy buy their music on the on the day I'm by no means griping at all. I didn't mean it was a a bad thing at all. It's just yeah, it, sometimes it's just it's it's a brilliant thing that they've done. It genuinely is. Uh and I guess as a as a fan you want to be contributing on that day. Uh and then it just becomes a case of my god everyone's asking. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so you don't buy from Bandcamp or you're buying what from local record well, stores I guess. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm still buying most I'm still buying mostly records, although I ended up buying uh, my first couple of CDs in what has to be about 10 years. Wow. That was just just completely on a whim. I, I've been back on a bit of a square pusher kick, and there were oh, a wow. bunch, of rec- uh, bunch of albums that I knew that I wanted to listen to, and I wanted to have hard copies of, but I knew I didn't need to have them on vinyl, and flipping through one of the uh, online record stores that I'm on way too much. I found that they were selling the CDs for like 500 yen or roughly about five or roughly about five bucks. And it's right. like, yeah, I'll pick that up, that up, that up. And that ended up happening. But the, the only reason at the end of the day that I do not buy from uh Bandcamp simply i don't have a credit card that's it yeah we've spoken about this before yes, yeah 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 it's been one one of the banes of my existence for <laughs> my entire time that i've been here tried getting a credit card about six years ago and we got all the way through the progress up until the uh credit check and then once we made it there they're just like yep you're done sorry you know, we can't give the give you this card, and that was after an hour and a half of dealing with dealing with their bullshit. Wow, they are real strict about giving uh, credit cards to foreigners here. But you, your situation has changed now, hasn't it? Sure, it should. 
Theoretically, it should be easier because I'm a permanent resident. Yes. Mm. Well. So. I yeah. I could attempt to set it up myself because every time that I've tried to go through my wife in order to help me uh, set up a credit card, she just kind of looks at me and leaves the room. <laughs> is that a standard response to most things or is it just because of the trauma attached to the... It's um... usually just a response to money. <laughs> you, you know, money-related things. We're pretty good about most things, but that one, she's really like, why do you no. need a credit card? Because I would like to live in the 21st century. <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully it's something... Uh, well, I mean, you're getting by without it, so that's good, right? Sure, but I, I do really like the fact that it seems with Bandcamp or in some cases like Patreon... Really skipping the middleman yeah. and helping, well, I don't know how much you're helping an artist through uh, going on Patreon. But yeah, I, w- I would love to support the artists that I like a lot more directly. Mm. That'd be so when, many, though. I, I don't remember if I told you when Mark DeClive Lowe's yeah. album came out. Uh, yeah, last he, time we spoke. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and then later on, he had sent me a link to. Uh, he's like, "By the way, I've got a Patreon. You you want you want to help support me?" And I was like, "I have no way of doing this. I live in Japan. <laughs> I don't have a credit card." It seems strange, though. Like, what's that? I don't know. That like Mark the Clive Lowe. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he has a deal with Rope-A-Dope, and I guess it's probably a per-album deal. Uh, he releases stuff on other labels. I mean, it's Mark the Clive Lowe. I would have thought from, like, an indie, like, jazz electronic perspective, he could really go anywhere. Do you know right? what I mean? So the fact that he would even need a Patreon with the amount of records that he's done and, like, high-profile stuff that he's high profile projects he's been a part of and the people he's worked with it just seems amazing to me that he would he would and i mean this with all the respect and this is my sure. ignorance to of the of of the business side of 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 the music industry but it just seems like he could just go anywhere and say hi i've got an album can you put it out and they'll just go yeah you're mark de clive low i'm gonna put it out for you yeah absolutely it just seems strange that he would go the patreon route or he would yeah feel the need to well, I think the, the the going the Patreon route was just everyone's trying to figure out how to make their uh, income since live music is basically dead at this point. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. I yeah. know for a lot. I know for a lot of artists, just through reading interviews and articles and everything, that the majority of musicians and DJs made their money through tours and residencies and stuff like that with that well completely dried up at this point. Yeah. I feel like any, anyone's going to, everyone's going to turn to whatever method works best for them. And it seems like it's working well for, uh, Mark to Clive Lowe right now. Yeah. And he's got the added skill of being a DJ as well. So, I mean, he could just do what you see a lot of the high profile DJs, you know, they'll do like a live stream, but they'll, they'll charge like whatever it is, a dollar mm-hmm. uh, for someone to check it out. And, you know, again, he, I would imagine he'd make significant um, sort of 
money from doing that, I'll say on a weekly basis, if he wanted to do something like that. That's why I think a lot of DJs have ended up moving over to Twitch as opposed to being silly and trying to monetize your YouTube channel like I've done. Because you you can monetize a Twitch channel right out the gate. You can't do that with YouTube. Right. So, and I think that's why Twitch has become sort of the preferred platform. At the same time, Twitch is being attacked by record labels for for copyright. So there's this constant battle between the DJs and all the music copyright holders. God, it's such a minefield. I mean, oh, have you, I, have, I haven't looked into it, but I know Mixcloud do live streaming, don't they? Is that right? They do, but one of the things that... We, we, we've talked a little bit about this. Mixcloud... Yeah is by far the best option in terms of hassle-free live streaming uh, without having to worry about copyright. The problem is the, the live streams don't stay up. So oh, they, okay. there's no archiving of the live stream. You can archive the audio of it, but you can't archive the, uh, the video oh, portion of the live stream. Right. Okay. Yeah. And... You know, given the timing of whenever I decide to do my live stream, when I usually do my live streams, by the way, 8 p.m. Japan Standard Time every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shameless plug. So with YouTube, it's always been great because people can always just watch the replay at their leisure or leisure, if you will. Whereas Mixcloud, you're hoping with it's already like really really low reach you're hoping that uh people are going to find you just by browsing around or you have to let people know that you're uh scheduled to perform over on mixcloud and just i'm not a fan of that yeah 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 how do you feel about like i think i've asked you this a while ago in terms Mm -hmm. of your reviews uh, kind of the online reviews, but how do you feel about presenting yourself kind of in a visual capacity, you know, for people to kind of see you, you, you do the, the, the live, um, excuse me, not the live, the, the, the reviews where you go through the, you know, yeah, your, your YouTube reviews, basically you kind of, you do that and it's you front and center now with their live streams, uh, you know, it's you again, front and center. How do you kind of, are you comfortable on camera? Are you comfortable presenting yourself uh, in that? kind of context with the uh doing the youtube videos when i'm doing the reviews or uh the more sort of historical deep dive sort of videos Hmm. much much more comfortable doing that than the live streams the live streams because of the nature of them being live there's a little bit more uh stress going into them because I mean, anything that happens on camera happens on camera. Whereas if I'm doing a YouTube video, I can always edit out the mistakes. And right. since I've gotten more and more used to uh, being able to, oh, if I made a mistake, I'll just fix it and post. <clears throat> uh, I, I've become incredibly cam- uh, incredibly comfortable doing that sort of stuff. Wow. But yeah, like you were saying with the live stream stuff, I've still, I, I've 
just gotten to the point where I have to ignore the camera as much as possible. Yeah. And, and only really check on it just to make sure that everything's functioning properly. So there you it's go. A, the idea of it petrifies me. Uh, I to totally understand it. Uh, a few early on uh, with uh, the coronavirus situation here in Niigata, so a couple of people decided to stick their necks out and uh, tried doing live streaming as well. Mm. And one of the guys, he works for a local television station, so he had access to all this really, really expensive equipment. They did a live broadcast at one of the venues that I've played at a couple of times, which was really, really cool. And then I talked to the owner of the bar about a month or so afterwards. And he was telling me, like, everyone was petrified. (laughs) Everyone's like, where do I look? What do I do? Do I look at the camera? Do I ignore the camera? Do I just do what I'm doing? Everyone didn't know. uh, Everyone was just really stiff and uncomfortable. Mm, Well... Yeah, I, I couldn't. Uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, I mean, even like like the the reviews. I I think probably more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of just having that camera completely on you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a behind the behind the screen, behind the mic kind of guy. <laughs> I think the idea of presenting in that context is, uh, yeah, petrifying. Yeah, but um. It, it took a lot of convincing from a friend of mine who uh, had gotten it into my head. It's like, Sean, the only the the only YouTubers that's uh, that succeed on this platform, they're in front of the camera. Can't hide behind a screen forever. You have to be in front of the camera. And then just having that drilled into my head for the longest time <laughs> led me to believe it's like, well, if I'm in front of the camera plus question mark equals money or <laughs> trying, trying to figure out how I could work the underwear gnomes, uh, the old underwear gnomes joke in, in there, but didn't quite stick the landing on that. <laughs> no, I think you did great. Nice. <laughs> what is the, yeah. Okay. So that's an interesting one. So do you have like a, is, how does Raw Select work for you as a brand? Are you kind of like, this is the goal, boom, and this is what I'm trying to achieve? Or are you just kind of like, no, this is what I want to do right now, and I'm going to do the, the, the radio show. This is what I, I you know, I now want to do the, the reviews. I now want to do the live stream. Or is there like a, a goal you have for the brand? Ultimately, at the end of the day, I would like to see some return from all the work that I've been putting into this for the last few years. I, I'm not expecting to get rich off of it, but and if that happens and people want to start giving me sponsorships, great. I'd love that. <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of the day, as I've always said to myself, the ultimate goal of any of the music-related stuff that I've been doing is I want it to pay for itself. So no longer do I have to use my own paycheck money to Mm. pay for any of the records or any of the equipment that I want. Right. That if I can get the YouTube channel or the brand, whatever you want to call it, to the point where it can uh, can feed itself, I would be very, very happy. I would feel like that is a level of success that I'd be very content with. 
That's a good goal. Yeah. Mm. Where, where are you in terms of, let's say, <laughs> let's say, for example, you, you found out that your future was, there was no way that would happen. Let's say, for example, um, you know, it was just the case of, right, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you'd find that out, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's just the idea that let's say it's not going to happen. Someone says to you, no, you'll never make a, a penny. Would right. you quit? Uh, you know, that's probably not. It, it, it's become so ingrained in my routine that I get antsy. Like on mm. days off, I've been on winter vacation for the last almost two weeks. And I get antsy if I'm, I'm not doing something, if I'm not working towards something. Right. So uh, making a video has just become making a video, doing a live stream, writing for the blog. While I'm not nearly as enthusiastic or as motivated about it as I maybe was when I was wide eyed and naive and first started it. But. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I still I like doing what I'm doing. The uh, playing favorite videos, although they take a lot more work and a lot more motivation on my YouTube channel, even if they're not the most popular videos on my YouTube channel, I love doing them. <laughs> I love doing that historical deep dive and looking yeah. at all the different information uh, that some uh, uh, on records that people maybe don't know about or uh, going a little bit deeper than some of the other videos on there. I, I'm about a quarter of the way through a script on uh, Roy C's, Roy C and the, uh, the Honey Drippers for the breakbeat classic Impeach the President. Right, wow. So, and I, I was really trying to get it uh, done before the election, not for any political right. purposes, but just because I thought it would be kind of funny. Yeah. Nice. There's really no subtext there. I just thought <laughs> it would be funny to get it out by then. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. There's, um, I'm kind of fascinated by, I hope that you didn't deem that as like an, to an abrasive a question. Because right. uh, um, I'm kind of fascinated by... But by kind of that that thing that motivates people like yourself, like me, like mm -hmm. Vahe, like Molly, uh, like Rhonda uh, as well. Like you, you know, the the idea the, that that sort of that need. I don't know. I feel like it's like Vahe described it as a need, um, and <laughs> Vahe, you know, he he's just the insanely coolest guy in the world. Like he, we I think one of the first times we spoke. Um, you know through for one of these these podcasts i kind of asked him about his desire his need to create right you know in the way that he does and what kind of motivates him and i'm I'm kind of fascinated by that and i i think that's what i love about the like the blue and green radio team in that a good chunk of them are just people who are gonna do it regardless of what they would like it to be what right. they would like their brand to be it's a case of they just they're gonna do it and even if they're told no nothing's ever gonna come of it you, are you gonna quit it would be like no 
I'm just going to keep doing it. And I think Vahe described it as he, he would just like, it's almost like it's in him and he has to just get it out, you know, or else it's, he's just going to burst. And he, you know, that, I, that notion of, I have a creative idea and I have to exorcise it otherwise, you know, and, and it, he just, he, he was, I remember just how casually he just said, if people don't like it, I just don't give a shit, you know? <laughs> and I just, it was the, <laughs> and that was the thing like i'll be honest if i put something so i'll you know put a show and i'll do a show and it will take hours weeks weeks sometimes to put together you know or, no excuse me i should say months in some instances it will take that long to put certain things you know into plan and when i'm doing that part of me yeah is a huge part of me is thinking oh god i hope people like this you know i hope people this resonates with somebody Sure. You know, and um, yeah. but I think with Vahe, it's he just has this thing where it's like I, you know, I'm sure he he feels that absolutely. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I think for him, it's kind of like no, I wanted to do this, mm. and I've done it, and now I'm gonna do something else. Oh, cool! Someone liked it. Cool. Do you know what I mean? But that 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 feedback is not his motivation, and I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world, you know, and I. I don't know how I like it sort of it becomes something sometimes you can get I worry that it will become something that makes me jaded right you know in terms of I've been doing this I'm doing this I'm doing this and I'm sort of I'm not I'm you know I'm not getting that kind of recognition that I kind of want for something or other and now I'm becoming bitter but because I'm bitter I can't doesn't mean I can stop Mm. you know and it's just it's a, a little bit cyclical but I don't know. I kind of wish almost that these podcasts had all been about answering that question in what makes someone continue, what to, makes to them do something, even though if it feels like it's completely futile. Yes. Yes. And I, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even as much as I like, if it sounded like I was whinging about how no, no, not at all. My, my YouTube videos weren't doing as well as they've done. In no, the no, not at all. Okay. I'm, I'm, just wanted to make sure that it, if I came across like that, that was not my intention. Whatsoever. No, absolutely not. No, no. Okay, good. Because, like, yeah, no, it's, I, I maybe can't say it with as much confidence or as bravado as Vahi would. Mm. But, yeah, at this, I, I sort of in the same camp as him. If someone te- comes up to me, uh, and, and it was the same way when I – was yeah I used to do DJ gigs and people could go out and talk to each other and spit in each other's faces without fear. <laughs> the good old days. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> this was my favorite meme of these two faces standing across from each other, just spraying particles at each other. I can't wait till the coronavirus is over so we can go back to doing this. Brilliant! Oh, That's so good. Oh, it's my favorite. But I, I, I was always a lot more nervous doing uh, DJ gigs in front of people when it's so immediate and it's so in front of your face. Obviously, if it looks like people are having a bad time, it's going to affect you because right. in real time, like that. Yeah. But the icing on the cake would always be when. Out of a group of 20 people, if one person came up to you and said, 
hey, what's this record that you're playing? And you tell them and they'd be like, oh, that's super cool. I got to find out more about those. Yeah. I mean, that was the greatest pat on the back in the world to me. Yeah. But now with doing it on YouTube, there's so much more, uh, not just the live streams, but the the YouTube videos, as, the regular YouTube videos as well. Like there, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes with the creation process of shooting the video, trying to get your uh, opinions in a way that you feel like you're honestly expressing what you want to say about any given record, going through the uh, video editing process, if you made a bunch of flubs or, or anything. Just the whole process of it is immensely satisfying to me. And as long as I, I, I found that, like, if I'm trying something new or if I'm experimenting or learning something along the way, it's still satisfying no matter what people think at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's why, like, this most recent live stream that I did, uh, like I said, as of the recording of this, that I did yesterday, where I figured out what I was doing wrong with not only the uh, the web camera, but also the uh, uh, trying to figure out, uh, figure out what was causing a lag between the audio and the video and being able to do it in real time. Just figuring out those little technical hiccups is it's, it's a lot of fun. I love troubleshooting stuff like this. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm I, maybe not quite as confidently or stridently as Vahi, but yeah, I, I think, you know, even, even at the end of the day, if no one was paying attention, I'd probably still do it because I do not, not always motivated, not always inspired, but I'd rather have spent the time doing something than sitting on the couch, scratching my ass. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I, you know, with everything that sort of attached to raw select from mm -hmm. the radio show to the, the reviews, to the live streams, to the website, I, you know, I, I do think, uh, and I'm not just blowing smoke, but I, I think you should be incredibly, uh, proud of kind of the avenues that you've kind of created to express your, your love for, for the music that you play, you know, and, uh, uh, each one is is of you know a, an incredibly high standard, uh, yeah. and I, I, I genuinely hand on heart mean that. I think you know the reviews um, uh, uh, show that you, you kind of have on YouTube as well. I, I, I think that yeah, it's it is of a it is a, it's of an incredibly high standard. Oh, uh, I appreciate that. Man. Are fantastic. Yeah, no, it's and I no, I again, I'm, I'm I do sincerely mean that. It's uh, you should be proud uh, of 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 what's reflective of that brand uh to to date but um your uh um i suppose we were yeah we're, we're nearly an hour in and we've yes. necessarily <laughs> jumped into 2020 no i love here. it I, I i i love it all of it staying in oh no um, great I, um, i'm happy to hear that yeah no no i i, well, I like a, like a freewheeling conversation you know so um yeah and no, always enjoy it. i like picking your brains about music and seeing no, where same, you're at same. with stuff so no, that's very kind. Very kind. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, again, so I guess talking about 2020 in music, uh, I guess we'll start off on a, on a real sour note. 
which oh, of, of the news yeah. of the shocking news of of mf doom's passing which actually happened in october yes which is so on, on halloween by the way yeah I mean, okay, are, are you the slightest bit? Are you the slightest bit suspicious about this? Um, I don't know. I I haven't really sat down with every sort of piece of information available. Uh, I just I got the text. Well, like, was it yesterday? Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was sort yesterday. of the news broke, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I got some text from friends saying, "Oh my god, Lame of Dooms died, and he died in October." I was like, "What?" Like, I find it strange that no, I don't know if artists knew about it. That, but that, the fact that no, none of them seem to have leaked it or anything, which is is really surprising. Um, but we, you know, or good. But um, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, all of it was just like, okay, like that's like you know, what a weird final kick in the nuts for yeah. <laughs> for like for I, the I was year that was break what it face, was. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kick in the nuts works too. <laughs> but yeah, just the weird parting shot, wasn't it? Like yeah. it was just like. Um, so yeah, it was a, that was a, that was a shock. It was a, so obviously very, you know, really sad news. You, I'm going to assume you're, you're a big MF Doom fan. I, I, I would put Doom definitely in the category of artists that I respect more than listen to. But yeah, the the fact that mm. we're, we're not getting in it anymore, uh, MF, we're not getting any more Doom is just. It's a sad, sad state of affairs for music. Yeah, in the he put out a ton of projects that I were that I wasn't a huge fan of, but you mm. know the the threat of a possible Mad Villainy two level quality uh, project was just always sort of looming in the background, and I was always right. waiting to hear what the next great project from him would be yeah yeah you're right he had a heck of a lot of uh projects as well danger mouse i remember one of the first ones of him i probably heard one of the first i don't know if, if i heard this one before or after mad villainy but he always had this awesome uh zero seven remix do you know the danger mouse remix oh no i don't uh, think i've heard of, that before oh i just freaking love it uh, i think it's hmm. sia on vocal somersault it's a zero seven uh song called somersault and there was a danger mouse remix with mf doom and he always sounded so freaking cool on it like just oh, like just the way really his, cool. his delivery was just awesome uh and that was always one of my favorite like uh records of just that he was ever on um but obviously you know attention always turns to Mad Villainy is kind of being the pinnacle of, uh, well, I don't want to say the pinnacle, but the project that people always gravitated towards as, you know, what they would have deemed his most popular effort. Mm. Um, and it is a, you know, it is a masterpiece. It's a wonderful union, him and Madlib. Um, they, you know, uh, I guess I was always surprised that there weren't more between them, to be honest. They just sort of left out this, this one incredible project. But um, yeah, it's, uh, the news was yeah, it was a, it was a real real blow, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a huge sho- it was a huge shocker. I I'm uh, still in disbelief, and given uh, not that it, I'm trying to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form, mm. but it, all all of this is both extremely sad and leaves giant question marks. How so? What? what it, the, uh, it, well, you you're aware of the uh, the Doom Imposter uh, 
history? Um, not so much. I, I mean, I'm aware of the Doom Impostor. I guess the, the word you said used of history is tantalizing. <laughs> what, I imagine you know more about it than I do. What, what, so, what, I mean, what have you got? In interview, in interviews, what, one of the most controversial aspects of Doom's uh, career was he would send out imposters of himself to do live. Uh, oh, yeah. Li <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I've, when I've, confronted about it in interviews, he would never admit to anything. <laughs> oh, he'd be like, oh, yeah, it was me, but I lost a bunch of weight or I gained a bunch of weight. <laughs> so it's totally within it's totally within his character to be to troll the world. Oh, my God. So, oh, so you think that he's he's he might not be. It, it, there's a very good. I've seen this isn't my idea. But I've seen okay. a bunch of people speculating right now that he just used this as a way to retire. Because he, oh, he wow, did an that's interview. A of, he did an interview a couple of years ago where he said, "Like my heart's not really in making music anymore. If I want to, if I need to make some money, I'll rap. I'll rap." Wow! What an amazing way to retire the character. Yeah. So. I, I, it's entirely possible that I'm being a complete and complete and total dick right now, but it's also <laughs> entirely possible that he just retired and he doesn't want to make music anymore. Mm. So wow. either out, either outcome, either yeah, either outcome is still really really sad because the the world definitely could use another unique voice in hip hop when everybody's sounding the goddamn same these days. Oh. Um, and on that note, <laughs> moving on. Uh, that's just, that, <laughs> We're that's just a doing hard But I, it's a good segue. I think just... Start <laughs> slamming into shit now. <laughs> Sorry, I, no I really thought this through because obviously we've gone from something really sad to something yeah. positive, which is like a wonderful music for 2020. And right. I... There is no good transition. Or should I, <laughs> should I have ended on the MF Doom stuff? Oh, shit. Nah, I think I've blown that. Nah, it um, yeah, um, okay. <laughs> but I think it was your line of um, uh, that, you know, everyone's sounding kind of the same on the hip, on hip hop stuff. The reason that that made me transition it mm -hmm. as a line in of itself is the fact that obviously I've seen your brilliant uh, uh, YouTube uh, roundup your top ah. 10 albums of of 2020 and yes that was kind of what triggered it because i suppose uh there's probably less hip-hop in there than i would have expected from you and that's but that's why it triggered that kind of okay <laughs> that, yeah, that sensitive it, comment it, it, it's a tacitly connected trend <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few points for that one Okay, a few. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Expected less, but uh, yeah. So, um, how were the releases for you? How do you look back at the year in music uh, for twenty twenty? I sort of got into this. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you're aware of this shower ideas, where you you come up with some half baked idea while you're in the shower, and you're like, "That's sure. genius! I'm going to start running with that." Right. So. I, I came up with the uh, the shower re eureka that a year of music has less to do with the quality of what's being released versus 
the choices that you make in the music that you listen to. So, did that make yes. any sense? It did because I actually wrote it down because um, you you said yeah your perception of the years releases comes down to where your tastes in music lies and the musical choices you make at that time. Is that right? Right. right. Now that is that's brilliant because whenever I do a best of, it's I you know I get a little bit kind of a bittersweet notion about it because in every year say probably 30 to 40 percent of music that i buy in a year is music i missed from the year before right i i'm constantly playing catch up yes uh the the following year yes exactly because there's no way you could get it all you know who could really absorb everything that that a year has to offer so i mean like so like when i i I try not to say this is my best of the year i try to say this is the best of what i heard this year right you know the music that i was able to get my my hands on but um you know sometimes the first month or two of the new year if i buy something from the year before i go shit like I, that, I wish that I wish I had got this a little bit earlier to include it in relative write-ups and shows and things like that, you know. So, mm. um, so yeah. So it, I completely agree. I, you're absolutely right. It comes down to what you, where your music taste lies. Yeah, what you decided to spend time with. Yeah, and what I, what found its way to you as well, mm. you know. So it's not always kind of necessarily in your 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 power to kind of just catch everything. That, yeah, that, yeah, that kind of came out. So no, it's a, it's a, it's a very um, uh, astute observation. I have them. I have them occasionally. <laughs> the question is, can I actually formulate? Can I actually articulate them in a way that makes sense? Because in my head, um, it's yeah. the genius idea I've ever had, and then <laughs> the, the idea tries to come out of my mouth, and people think that I'm five years old. <laughs> no it worked in this instance so oh, okay, uh, yeah no so you're absolutely right and uh, it's it's almost like every best of should have that asterisk at the top that's <laughs> that best of see you at the bottom blah, 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 blah. yeah exactly. here's the disclaimer that, that that goes along with it so no you're absolutely right and i thought your your top 10 um was a great list it was a great it was a really really cool uh, collection of, of of projects and um, some I've obviously noted from your show already so they weren't specifically new names for me mm-hmm. but there, there's definitely projects for me to kind of to still go away and and kind of explore uh, notably your number one which we'll, we'll save for a moment mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah was there any that kind of that just missed out on the top 10 for you Ah, uh, no, not really, because all the stuff that uh, didn't make the top 10, I talked a little bit about in my honorable mentions video that I did on mm. my YouTube channel. And those releases, there was a lot of ho-hum stuff this year, in my opinion. And all that stuff was what ended up on my uh, honorable mentions list. Save the uh, the colors that. Shoot, what is the name of that record? Uh, what is that? Oh crap! I know exactly the one you're yeah, talking about. The colors that rise. Like m- most of the stuff that is uh, mo- most of the stuff that makes it onto my best of the year stuff is uh, re- albums that I have the minorest of complaints. 
and yeah, I was right. The Colors That Rise is the name of the project. Mm. And The Colors That Rise got super close to making it on. And I just found that I liked the uh, new L. Michaels Affair album more, which is why I like, kicked, kicked off that video by saying this album kind of just made it on here by attrition. <laughs> which is the, uh, I don't know if, they, if you can imagine them punching the air Imagine mm. Leon Michael was kind of punching the air. We're on the list. Yeah, you're here by <laughs> chance. Oh. <laughs> Got so close. Um, I've, I haven't heard that record, actually. So, uh, no, I look forward to it. I didn't even know they had uh, a, a new project out, Life of Pop. Oh, El right? Michael's Affair? Yeah, yeah. And did, Have you ever heard their uh, Sounding Out the City album? Um, I, I've, I know, well, I know of it. I haven't got it. I've got the majority of stuff I have of theirs relates to their Wu Tang covers, right? Uh, that they've done. Their version of Cream is so incredible. Oh, I, I remember hearing it for the first time, thinking, "Oh, this is what Wu Tang sampled." Uh, then you're like, "No, no, no," <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh my god, El Michael's affair!" My god. So obviously, you know, other way around. But um, yeah, they're their dusty analog soul is is so on point um mm. as it is with uh um anything from big crown and by default that tone records so um yeah no I, I i should get more into l michael's affair i've you know leon michaels uh in of himself as a producer and musician is such a master yeah uh, I, uh, I had started working on a playing favorites video for uh l michael's affair and I, I got stuck writing out the script for it. But I didn't realize how much, uh, one, how uh, incredibly young he is. I think he's about my age. Amazing. And mm. how many uh, production credits he had racked up. Yeah, I think he worked with the Black Keys. Yeah, I think he has. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When I saw that, I was just like, Jesus, this guy's been uh, rather successful. (laughs) Yeah, he actually incredibly got a track on the the Carters album, the Jay-Z and Beyonce album. He got a track on that, which is amazing. I was so unbelievably happy when I saw his name on that. I thought that's like, you know, brilliant. That's so exciting. Uh, so yeah, he's a number of he's mega close ties with Daptone and uh, Thomas Brennock, uh, who had he was a part of the Dap Kings, and then he started. The, have you heard of the Mean Hand Street Band? Yes, I know the name, but I've never yeah. really. I, I yeah, that was uh, by Thomas Brennock, who was a Dap King and a member of Budos Band. He uh, created a subsidiary label through Daptone called Dunham Records. And they had uh, the Charles Bradley releases and Mean Hand Street Band, of which Leon Michaels, I believe, contributed to both um, of those ongoing projects. So, mm. uh, so yeah, he's got loads of loads of stuff. And then obviously Big Crown with Lee Fields as well, who's like my my soul guy. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Lee Fields is so good. He's so unbelievably good. Uh, I don't think there's a soul artist at the moment or in the last five years that grabs my, you know, it's like new leaf feels like, geez, I've got to get my hands on it instantly. Uh, so yeah, I love leaf fields. Yeah. I'm trying to think who's the, was it Bobby or Oroza? Oh, Bobby Orosa, Yeah. From, um, God, he's uh, so good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful record he yeah. had. Um, yeah, well, gosh, I'm blank. Was it This Love or something? Yes. Uh, yeah, This I, Love. I'm oh, still kicking what a record. I haven't bought yet. Oh, you really Oh, It's a masterpiece of record. Really, some really wonderful songs. I, I remember I dropped This Love in uh, a live stream. And just just because of who he is, I have to call the, my plebeian friend who was watching it actually for the first time, like commented is like, Whoa, Sean, what is that? <laughs> yeah. It's a, that's um, there's some wonderful songs on that album. I, re- I really, really want to hear the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. It really should. If, while we're talking big crown, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, a group that they have on, on there called 79.5. Have you heard of them? Yes. I've heard of them. I, so soul soul is such a hard genre for me because yeah. I am so incredibly picky about vocalists. Right. Oh, do you just not wasn't like a fan okay. of it vocally? Ah, it's a shame. I, I know. I really love that that record. I, I hear all over the place, up and down, that it was one of the most celebrated projects of like two years ago, last year. I think so. Yeah. No, I don't. I think it might have been the year before last. I might be wrong, but I think yeah, the year before last. And I, yeah, I tried giving it a listen and just couldn't get past the vocalist. Oh, that's such a shame. I know. I really like her. It's one of the it's one of the hardest things about being me. <laughs> <laughs> you you can't get me to fall in love with a vocalist that my ears don't like. It, it, it's it's always been a huge problem. I would I would even suggest persevering. There's a tall black guy remix of one of their songs. Have you heard that? Oh. Trust me, the the fact that I managed to talk myself out of buying that uh, set <laughs> release, and now the fact that it is completely sold out everywhere. Oh no! Yeah, I I talked myself out of it. I was like, oh. why isn't there an instrumental? I don't want the vo- I don't want the vocals on here. And now oh. I look back on it, and it's like, you know, I probably should have bought it. <laughs> <laughs> But oh well. Life. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I hopefully that it'll it'll connect with you at some point. Anyway, I yeah. I I'm a big fan of that record. Big. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to dig a little bit deeper into Big Crown Records. Who is the kind of uh, sort of psych rock, but still kind of funky group? They put out an album this year on Big Crown. I can't think of their name, but. Um. Uh, a local record bar owner uh, was playing it for me, and I really, really liked what he what he had uh, what he had played for me. I'm just looking it up. I've gone blank. Yeah, I'm. Um, no, it's not Brain Story. Holy Fi- uh, Holy Hive. Float back to you is the name of the album. I've, I've drawn a blank. I have no, I have, that seems to have completely passed me by. Yeah. Um, I didn't really pay it much mind either, but, uh, like I said, my friend, my friend who runs a record bar here was like, Sean, if you haven't checked this out, you really should. And he played a couple oh, of tracks okay. from it. And I was like, damn, this is really, really solid stuff. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll explore further as well then. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it must be, yeah, must be pretty cool. Yeah, they do have some amazing finds. Yeah, no, uh, I, on that label. 
there there's so much good stuff on uh big crown and if it yeah. wasn't for the fact that my musical taste is so schizophrenic i mean i'd buy <laughs> just uh everything that big crown puts out without even thinking about it yeah yeah they um yeah they, i mean i never actually knew why they transitioned from truth and soul as a as a name um because the uh, they were truth and soul records weren't right. they yeah uh but it just seemed to just change I, I i have no idea why i never i think i tried to look it up at the time um but I, no i never really found out any reason as to why that happened i'm not sure i, if, I think it was know. something fine i think it was something financially but i okay. might be just speculating at this point oh well either way awesome yeah no i mean it, it, even if that is the case big crown has definitely become one of the uh the labels to watch this uh this past year and oh so is there any particular label that's stick are there any particular labels that you you're paying attention to that you're you're com- constantly keeping an eye on um yeah i suppose there's a few i'm um, um oh, i'm drawing a blank at the moment uh oh uh i okay uh international anthem oh i have no um, idea there you uh you know Makaya McCraven. No, no. Makaya McCraven, a Chicago-based uh, drummer. Um, uh, they're a Chicago-based label. Uh, they have had an amazing run in the past couple years. Mm. Um, and I, I yeah, I couldn't scream about my adoration for them enough. Uh, I'd, I'd urge you just to look at their Bandcamp page just to see their recent releases. I bought their. There's a, an album by Rob Mazurek, who um, in of himself, he goes full on jazz and then other projects as Electronica is a really prolific uh, artist. He had a really kind of one of those otherworldly space projects, you know, uh, space jazz kind of albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just a, a real joy. Um, so I, I loved that one uh, from last year. Uh, again, Makai McRaven, who I'm, I'm surprised that you, um, he sounds like, exactly the kind of music you would love uh so hopefully you'll can explore him at some point but he's a really revered uh producer and drummer uh who has um uh re- some some really really amazing projects he had this album probably his most infamous project uh, an album from like maybe 2018 called universal beings and uh i mean i i love a story behind an album you know and uh, even just this on just from this alone was is a reason for me to pick up an album but he it's a double disc album and he basically created four it's basically in sort of four different suites mm-hmm. so he had um he recorded with a collective in new york uh la chicago and london and so basically a completely new arrangements for each recording um for each kind of sessions like each was about five you know, between four and six songs with each collective and the names that he had, like the UK ones, he had uh, Nubby Garcia, um, Ashley Henry and uh, Daniel Casimir on bass. And that was like, that's A-listers, like UK wise. He had Brandy Younger, uh, the harpist on the New York project. He had, uh, I think Miguel Atwood Ferguson's on the LA sessions. Um, and I would really, yeah, I definitely urge you to check out, um, 
uh, his his projects. He's got some. He did a remix album for Gil Scott Heron's uh, album. Oh, this was last year. Oh, right, 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 right. Right, you got it. Now got I it. know okay. what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I get. I can some... now put a, a, a name with uh, a name. right. Yeah, the Gil Scott Heron project, the, the final one was I'm New Here, yeah. and then uh, Makai McCraven remixed it with uh, We're New Again, I think it was called. And yes. there's some really, really great interpretations of, of tracks from him on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I heard early yeah. on that that was going to be uh, a favorite album of a lot of people er, at the beginning of last year. And I'm kicking right. myself that I didn't jump on that record almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I imagine. Yeah, I imagine Makai McCraven in general is really someone that you'd you'd really embrace mm. um so hopefully you'll uh explore him at some point as well but yeah international anthem at the moment are really putting out just really kind of oh yeah a really fantastic array of of uh yeah uh inspired jazz uh so yeah they're one of the leading labels for me at the moment yeah excellent yeah. Um, you mentioned Mark the Clive Lowe earlier. He made it onto your list with uh, Dreamweaver's yeah. slow year for him, but he was allowed because his 2019, uh, he had Heritage One, Heritage Two. Ew. He did. Um, he produced Lady Alma's Twilight album. Oh, I didn't even he know had about the, that. Oh my gosh, he had the most insane year uh, for 2019. He had guest appearances on the 14 Carat album. Uh, right. He had uh, Jason McGuinness um, album as well. He put out another church sessions, sort of like a live album, uh, kind of for the uh, anniversary of his church album from, uh, oh gosh, how many years ago was that? Uh, that was, you know, he put out so much music. So I, I, I feel like he was totally justified in having something of a slow year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Dreamweavers, I've yet to hear it. You obviously liked it enough to get to make it onto your top 10. Yeah, I think it's a much more straightforward pro- project than uh, a lot of the other stuff that I've heard from him. I ended up picking up towards the end of last year the Live at the Blue, the Live at the Blue Whale LP. Oh yeah, right, okay, fantastic. Yeah, it, the interpretations of those jazz classics are absolutely second to none. And I, I got to remember to work them into some live streams and comparatively to heritage where like everything is just like these giant epic, uh, dynamic suites. Everything's just way more straightforward, groove oriented and seemingly a lot more traditional than some of the other stuff that I've heard from him. And overall, yeah, it's a really cool project. Yeah, he um, I, you you raved a lot about those heritage albums last year, and I oh, remember and saying, so "I've got to get it, I've got to get it." They are, they are, they really are. It's been a while since I've listened to them. Actually, it's been a couple of months, so I do need to rectify that. But um, they were they were just as good mm. as you kind of professed them to be. Really masterpieces. Uh, yeah, he could quit now. Like they were that good, you know. Yeah, kind uh, of like, they mm. seem sort of like out like uh career defining albums so to speak yeah, yeah wonderful great coups for rope dope records i think to, to yeah. secure those so i, I yeah. really need to dig more into rope dope's uh 
Europa Dope are another label that I'm a big fan of as well. They, but they put out so much music. That's the problem. <laughs> it is a problem because you kind of want to stay faithful to a label, but when they put out so much, it's like I just I can't keep up. You know, exactly. A, a few months, and you'll just visit the Bandcamp page, and you're like, oh my god, you've just put out ten projects since I last looked. You know, it's just ugh, how do you keep up? But I did get a couple of Rope Dope releases uh, last year in any, any really good ones. There's a bright, yeah, two bright in particular. Dog Red is on, uh, yes, Dope. that's right. Yeah, Bright Dog Red uh, was one uh, amazing project, double disc that they put out um, last year, and uh, there was a, a, an album again. I imagine you would like this a lot. It's called. Uh, it's by an artist called Dougie Stew. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he has an album. Oh, gosh. Um, familiar future uh which is a wonderful record and uh greg spiro uh pianist uh greg spiro put out uh spirit fingers and the album's called peace and that was gorgeous <clears throat> so those are three that i would really shout about from ropadope last year but again they put out like 150 records yeah. last year probably so i it's just so hard to keep up with them but uh yeah they just get stronger every year so more power to them yeah it's been I, I you you seemed like you were much more attuned to it uh ever since we we started talking together i think uh modern jazz has become sort of a staple of my music diet musical diet these days mm. and for me for the longest time it just felt like most new jazz was that old school you you play a couple of seventh chords over a hip hop beat and boom you're you're a jazz group. <laughs> and now uh, the, the level of musicianship with modern jazz seemingly over the last five maybe even ten years is just otherworldly. Yeah, like people are getting into the territory of skill of like the, the jazz greats from the the forties, fifties and sixties. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's weirdly like a genre that is in a weird way, kind of rediscovering itself. Right. You know, like I remember listening to hip hop in the nineties and just being completely in love with so much, so much of it. And it was really fun back then because it was, it's like they were still trying to figure out what it was, what the genre was. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, it was no, still was... so so young uh, as a as a genre back then, and you would each you would keep having releases that would ch- take it in different directions, and it was exciting because it was like I said, the genre that was still trying to discover itself. And then you hear jazz like in the last five years, and in a weird way, it's I kind of get that same feeling from it because you can get releases that merge jazz with electronica in a completely brilliant and inspired way to the point where it's they're achieving it easily yeah you know it's not like um okay this is a bit too you know one direction for me like it's you know pick a pick a genre you know it's it's not you could say it's electronica or jazz and you get things that you know when you get acts that just dabble in this kind of improvisational approach and it works it's it's brilliant and it just seems like so many people are trying so many different things and it's so much of it is working yeah it's so much fun to kind of just fall in love with it each time which is really exciting 
Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I've heard, I, I don't know how true, the, true this is, but I've heard in conversations or read in interviews, for the longest time, jazz was a four-letter word in the UK, and I wonder how much of that is still true these days. Um, no, yeah, I think it's it really has evolved. I mean, you've got mega stars from some of these guys. Right. You know, Nubby Garcia, she's, she's been, her first full-length album came out on Concord, which really? is, for a South London uh you know uh uh saxophonist to kind of you know who who came up in schools i used to drive past you know and it's just really exciting that she's escalated to the heights i mean she was always you could see for some years that she was really ascending to incredible heights you know and for her to have landed a gig on concord is amazing for like the makai mccraven album for him to have the heavyweights of contemporary jazz that he does that he did and then to have one of the four suites cons- comprised of all uk acts you know i mean we've spoken about moses boyd and his continual ascension to mm. kind of stardom uh, gary bartz just did a record this year with uh, maisha who uh, had their debut record on brownswood i mean it's 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 inspiring. It's incredible. I mean, Blue Note Records just gave a two-disc uh, compilation for uh, Blue Note Reimagined, which had right. all UK artists covering, you know, jazz uh, from from the kind of the Blue Note Blue Note vaults like Montara and Rose Rouge and stuff like that, and it's all UK artists. I mean, it's incredible the the kind of the heights that it's kind of achieved over here and the fact that these not just the fact that it's like popular here now but it's the fact that these names are really sort of extending all the way overseas uh to the point where geez blue note records handed them an album that's really exciting it's been really really interesting to see sort of the slow reacceptance of jazz again if you want to call it that and i i think it's seemingly becoming sort of hip again even in the states to uh Mm -hmm. like jazz and maybe in like sort of small circles because i mean in general the musical taste of the average american is well i I think any time that you're dealing with popular culture you're dealing with popular culture you can't expect them to say yeah that you're going to run into, you know, 50 people on the street and all 50 of them are going to say, oh, yeah, my favorite album is Bitches Brew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love that shit. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, but I mean, that just means that there's more music. There's more music for the rest of us. Yes. Yeah. It does make it more precious. So I've got your be- I've got your UK best of 2020 in front of me. Was there anything else like, uh, yeah? How was that Uya the the Uyama Hiroto album Freedom Jazz? Oh yeah, it's good. I haven't spent a huge amount of time with it. Um, the CD only turned up a couple of days ago. Yeah, so no, I, I saw obviously your when you about that. yeah, cool. Uh, it's it's brilliant. It's really really good. Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, I love it a lot. Uh, but I, I really, yeah, I do need to spend way more time with it to kind of uh, pick out favorites and stuff like that. But um, yeah, somebody I just bumped into it on Facebook, and I, you know, when you just sort of you listen to it and you just think, 
a this is going to cost me a hell of a lot of money uh like <laughs> because yeah, no, it's that obsessive nature like i need the hard copy you could just buy the digital but you know you just need the hard copy and um i just thought it's one of those things where i listen to it and sort of like leave it and it's just in your head all day and you're like i just got to get it and uh, like oh well it's gonna hurt but <laughs> so yeah about what i think we clocked under about 50 to 60 dollars probably uh for the whole thing how much of that uh, was shipping, shipping and everything um oh cool, gosh uh i don't know I, I think i bought it over a month ago so i i can't i can't really remember how it it broke down um I'm trying to think what the actual price of the the disc was as well um i actually in honesty i think the shipping probably was a little bit cheaper than i thought it was going to be oh, um, but then you've got to pay your customs charge mm. so you get the note through the door saying you know the they've got it but you can't have it until you pay <laughs> like 16 dollars for your customs charge so you've got to pay that and then it turns up so uh yeah but um yeah it's you know totally worth it i really really enjoyed it yeah and the, the other uh, the other one real quick that I wanted to pick your brain about, mm-hmm. because I, I see it keep coming up and it keeps selling out almost immediately as they get it. Oh, wow. This year is the, uh, the jazz is jazz is dead series. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really exciting. Um, I, yeah, I kind of, they've made that a real, a real collector's kind of, yeah. Uh, uh, whole project, isn't it? Where you, you really got to get them all. You almost have that, <laughs> <laughs> that need to get them all i have two at the moment um which were the two that i put in there their azimuth and, project uh, and roy airs yeah uh, my only gripe with the roy airs is that it's eight tracks and like 28 minutes long oh so it's criminal no it's it is it is a wee bit short azimuth rocks about 40 minutes mm. which is a very acceptable length yes uh but um uh, yeah the is a little under 30 minutes and i was like that's it's a bit of a, a bit of a shame, you know. I I think, uh, but I mean, in their defense, it's like it's. I thought it was their projects, but it's actually Shahid and Young's uh, project, oh, and they yeah, no, basically I, I noticing that too. That uh, Adrian Young's because yeah. I see. Uh, I don't know. May, maybe it, it's just the way my eyes sort of read it, but I I just see Ali Shahid Muhammad. I'm just like, oh, so that's the only name attached to it. Oh, Adrian Young's on there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really them. I actually thought that these were like Royer's projects, Azimuth projects, Doug Cairn projects, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not. It's actually Shahid and Young. Well, it's almost them as a trio, basically. The names, Shahid, Young, and whoever the guest is. Right. But um, I, 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 yeah, it's probably more their involvement than the other person, if you know what I mean. So... Um, I, so I, I think there's probably about 10, eight to 10 of these albums. So you kind of think, how much time did you have to do all of these? You know, it's incredible how, you know, you've got Gary Bartz, I think, on the way, um, which is very, very close to being yeah, released, that, their I, project with him. Definitely need to grab that. I'm not sleeping on that. Yeah. One. But um, uh, yeah, the the quality of it is great. Like the, the two that I have are really, really good really really good and um yeah i look forward to kind of trying to scoop up the rest as, as soon as i will be able to yeah i got you um you mentioned i remember uh, uh a very i don't know if it was one of your reviews um but i, I think for at one point greg Foats 
album yeah, was was looking to be your number one, wasn't it? Right, at one right, point, right, right. it came in at number five on your list. Yeah, um, I'm genuinely shocked that it, it got ended up getting over overtaken by some of the the uh, the other stuff that came at that came after it. But I just found over time there were things that I was listening to more. There were albums that I were li- that I was listening to more than that one. Mm. Which is not to take away from that Greg Fode album. Which sure, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that that he, juicy um, the emissary I think need needed to get a lot of shine. So I wanted to make sure that it ended up a little bit higher in the list. I that's right, and that came that in number album. three, Timber. Yeah. And you're a fan of that one, obviously. The, yeah, it's been on your playlist for a long time. Yes. It, I, I think it was the first two, 2020 release that I bought this year. Oh, that. wow. Okay. My gosh. And it hung in there to number three. That's amazing. It, it's the one that even if I'm not listening to all the time, it still sticks in my mind very fondly. Mm. So I felt like it really needed to... Uh, and it and it also is one of the albums on that list that still held the uh, the emotional weight the entire time. You know, as you listen to albums more and more, sort of the the feeling sort of drifts away from it and just becomes more music. You still like it, but it doesn't have the the same uh, yeah. special quality to it that it yeah. did when you first started listening to it. And that sure. album has. Uh, always elicited the same feeling every every time that I listen to it. Amazing. In some yeah, si- in amazing. some situations, I think maybe it should have even gone higher. But I legitimately was blown away at how good that Kamal Williams album was. That was the next one I was going to talk to you about. Yeah, because we had some we had an exchange about this one uh, yeah. a few days ago, I think, or like a week or two ago, uh, where you you talked about your you were surprised that that you enjoyed it as much as you did yeah legitimately shocked because <laughs> I, I was outright ready I, when i heard it got announced i wrote a couple of posts about a couple of tracks and i was like yeah this sounds all right but it sounds like it'll probably just be another boring kamal williams project that's runs <laughs> overly long and doesn't go anywhere but still gets overly praised and in the music press and uh one of one of the music blogs that i follow called uh vinyl factory i'm not sure are are you aware of them i am yeah yeah they've been doing their uh vinyl factory live series and one guy started off his set with i think it's street dreams which is the track that opens up with uh, Miguel Atwood Ferguson's right. strings and mm. my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> I, I think it, the quality of this album it seemingly has less to do with God, this sounds so mean. Oh, no, I, I know Henry it. <laughs> as, a, as a band leader and more right. to do with the inspired choices of people that he associates himself with. Right, which but, is a skill in of itself. So sure, and <laughs> the the fact that it seems like the ideas are so much tighter, and the way that the album flows together, as opposed to just like these overly long 
uh, noodly jams that go nowhere. Catch the Loop is the, the track from Kamal, uh, Kamal Williams that I, I would point to and say, this is the perfect example of what there is in terms of potential and what they are doing completely wrong. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, that track. Is. Um, I, I think I am. I have, I've, I've heard the, I have, I have the album. So I've, uh, uh, yeah, I've, 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 I've heard, I haven't spent a huge amount of time with it. Mm. Uh, yeah. The vocal track is actually my, my, my favorite one, but I've gone blank as to what the name of it is. Uh, um, hold on. Yes, of course. With Lauren that. Uh, that one's my, yeah. I wish I got I my iTunes more. right in front of me just in case. Right. I see. Uh, I kind of wish uh, there was a couple more vocal tracks, I think, but he, you know, he's not reasonably, not renowned for his, uh, kind of work with with vocalists, I guess. A lot of his projects are always instrumental based, aren't they? But, that, that's um, not necessarily true because uh, Kamal Williams. I don't know if it was under Kamal Williams or uh, Yusuf Kamal. They did a collaboration with uh, Children of Zeus. That uh, they did a version of Children of Zeus's uh, "Still Standing." And it blows oh, really? the album track out of the water. Uh, I've got like, a, is it? I have a lot. Li- is it a live track? Yes. Like a live. Yes, I've got that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose yeah, but I mean, if you count like, because um, I have a Henry Wu kind of remix of Little Dragon mm-hmm. uh, as well, which is uh, uh, which is really cool. It's, it's fairly short, about three and a half minutes. Um, it was available as a free download on Henry Wu's. Um, Bandcamp page, but I guess a lot of his own releases have been predominantly instrumental based. Sure, um, and uh, yeah, so I would have liked to. I, I think a couple more. I just, I kind of, I usually gravitate a little bit more to vocal uh, based tracks, and I think um, I thought there yeah, that was a really cool track. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, even Miguel Atwood Ferguson. I mean, what a coup uh, for them to have secured him for as many tracks as they did. Which is, yeah, sure. that was a and, and yeah, they are the absolute biggest highlights of that record for sure mm. yeah are you a fan of the black focus record the yusuf kamal one uh oh you mean the one from two years ago um actually a little longer actually um it's kind of that, oh, the one yusuf from brownswood yes yeah, uh, sorry black yeah Fo- yusuf focus. kamal one yeah it's something of a cult classic over here i, I know um in it, it, it in a world where n- where no other modern jazz records exist, yeah, I guess it would probably stand out as being the greatest oh, modern jazz record of all time. That's such a vicious comment. <laughs> it's not really intended to be, but... You know, it kind of reminds me... God, I'm such a contentious asshole. Contentious, <laughs> con- cantankerous asshole. It's the, you, you, you go through the conversation, you're talking to somebody at a party. It's like, hey, man, what do you listen to? Oh, I listen to reggae. Oh, really? What kind of reggae? Oh, all kinds of reggae. Really? What, what artists do you like, Bob Marley? <laughs> and then you find out that that's the only thing that they listen to. Yeah. and one of these days i'll get off my fucking high horse and stop getting so upset over people who don't have you know 
eight mile deep, thousand yards <laughs> wide music musical tastes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there's two more projects before we jump into your number one there's two more projects I wanted to ask you about sure. uh, on your list because I always associate because I'd never heard of Khan Sano before you uh, first mentioned him mm-hmm. um, I think you were a fan of oh gosh was, was it last year or the year before was it last year I was, was it last year yeah I was genuinely shocked too but Ghost Notes came out in 2019 that's the one yeah, I, now I'd never heard of Khan Sano before that. And whenever I hear of him since, I think of you. So the fact that he had uh, the number six album, Susanna, on your list, and you obviously talked about it in your your video, I was just curious to talk to you about it because, uh, yeah, as I said, I always associate uh, the two of you together, and as I imagine Khan Sano does as well. Right. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to ask your thoughts on that record as well. Does it live up to uh, Ghost Notes? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind of yes and kind of no. I, I always associate Kansano with more of uh, a jazzy sound with a little bit of uh, a J-pop sort of twinge with little... Like, I've always thought of Kansano as like the brighter, more positive sounding version of Kiefer and uh, Flying Lotus. Right, because most right. of his really early stuff, and he's been releasing music for the last ten years, is very much in that sort of Jay Dilla swing heavy, loose, unquantized beat style, but uh, with a high level of jazz improvisation over the top of it, much like uh, Kiefer's music, but. There's not really a sort of moodiness to it. It it's always feels sort of bright, peppy, and happy, which kind of, I guess, brings in the more uh, J-pop sound or J-pop influence to his music. Right. And then with this record, it really feels like he's doubling down more on... Uh, that J-pop influence that he's been playing around with for so long. And I think a lot of that has to do with he's become over the, the last few years, I guess. And I, I'm only just sort of connecting the dots myself. It seems like he's been working with a lot of more uh, underground pop artists in Japan and oh, wow. becoming kind of like the go-to collaborator. So I think that influence sort of seeped into this record because it's definitely the most dance pop heavy record that he's made up until this point. And you're happy with that as a direction for him? It's grown, it's grown on me. I I Mm. would prefer that he makes sort of his more jazz influenced stuff like sit at the piano. But uh, when, when I first heard the, the opening track flavor, it, I, it was immediately blown away because just the overall production quality of the, the 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 way that the synths and everything broke down was so unexpected. Right. So yeah, I, I, I I've yet to purchase a Carlsano record. No, I'd like to, so I'd have to. Uh, I guess probably look at his last two um, based on what you've said. So. 
the the probably the the easiest one to get into would be Fantastic Farewell. Oh no! Which is his most, which is probably the last of his straight uh, instrumental projects before he started singing on his own records. Okay. Hmm. I shall. uh... I shall explore. Yeah, he's on my list, so uh, I'll have to um, uh, take the time to kind of check his stuff out more. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by him. I, have, I think I messaged you recently. I have his uh, Stevie Wonder remix, which I just sort of bumped into online as well. Yeah, that uh, was like a, some months ago. That was a sought after. I used to <laughs> I used to bug Razor and Tape, the record label, about hey, when are you guys going to reissue this record? And oh, really? <laughs> You can buy it off it, and why don't you just buy it off Discogs? It's like, that, that's, that's not <laughs> but a you nice didn't. thing to say. And then they finally <laughs> reissued it, in, and I, I snatched it up immediately. <laughs> in the end, I felt like I won. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, I'm glad you got a copy. That's very cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm so stoked to have a copy of that record. Oh, yeah. So it's a great mix. It's a real, yeah, awesome mix. Uh, off the tra- off the track, so yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I'm happy to have it too. <laughs> have you have you heard Consano's cover of Everyone Loves the Sunshine or Everybody Loves? No, the wow, no, I haven't. That I think that was my first in- introduction into his music, and I definitely really? recommend that if you can find a copy of that, you should give that one a listen. Okay, is that from one of the albums that you've mentioned? No, already? no, no, the, it's uh... a single. It's a oh, seven okay. inch single, also on oh, okay. tape. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, well, I'll definitely explore that one as well. Jeez, uh, yeah, gosh, he seems to have a lot of music out there. Yeah, no, um, he's he was putting out albums. I think, if I remember correctly, I think he was putting out an album a year for the longest time and doing uh, wow. remix, doing remix work. And it seemed like he was making a little bit of progress in the states. I mean, working with Razor and Tape, they're a mm. Brooklyn-based record label. Oh, okay. So it seemed like he was making some headway. Then, yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I think he, I think Origami Productions is the label that he releases music on. And I think they are, I think it's his imprint, and they release music through P-Vine, which I think is somehow associated with EMI. Okay. Uh, or at least Jazz Rack, which is the big music, uh, big Japanese music publisher here. Mm. Sort of similar yeah. to uh, EMI in uh, the UK. Right. P-Vine have a lot of amazing stuff there. Mm. Uh, they Obviously, you can't really get the stuff over here, so you have to spend quite a bit on the on sending stuff over from Japan to keep up with the amount of stuff that they put out. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried digging through their back catalog just by going by the label and it's pretty, it's it's pretty overwhelming. Yeah, it really is. And it's a shame because there's so much good stuff on it. Um, And it's, yeah, it is difficult to, it's one of those things if you want to, you want to, you want to support them, you want to jump on board, but (laughs) where where do you start and, uh, and how do you even approach it? So yeah, it's difficult. But uh, yeah, I wish I could um, keep up considerably more with P-Vine releases. Sure. 
uh and uh well your number one spot which is a record i've i've not heard either so i'm 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 aware of certain i know yeah you've played a couple of uh uh, of tracks on on recent uh shows uh or select shows uh of course but your number one uh album of 2020 is uh matthew tavares and leland witty's visions yes talk to us about this record what is there to say about this record it's (laughs) i i Oh, yeah, I, I'm constantly at a loss for words whenever I try to describe this record because it's so different from everything else out there. None of the tracks really have like a real strong groove to them. They're all slightly arranged and slightly improvisational. Little bits of jazz, little bits of classical, uh, beautiful interplay between uh, piano and saxophone and flute. And there's little bits of like dynamic post rock that pops in there. It, it's and, and and it's got like these little beautiful twinges of uh, almost Brazilian acoustic guitar thrown into the mix. Wow! It's just a it's a record that I know for a fact that not everyone's going to be into. And quite honestly, when I listen to it, sometimes I'm not always into it. But the moment it hits, it just makes... The moment that it makes sense and the moment that it hits, and you you become sort of completely enveloped in it, it's the most beautiful record that I've heard this year. Wow. You mentioned the in your review about the... I didn't actually uh, know, but... Well, you actually suck... Because there's a strong, bad, bad, not good connection with uh, Matthew Tavares, who's a, a member of that group, and Leland Whitty, who was a... I think you described him as a, a, a sometimes member of the group. He right. collaborates heavily because, with them. Because like, I, I legitimately had to double-check, and I didn't do my homework before I started looking at the record. So Colin Stetson is the saxophonist that's featured on four. And yes, he is. Yeah. I have the record in front of my hand. Leland Whitty was the saxophonist, the saxophonist that was heavily featured on three. So that's why I, when I did the review, just so to make sure that I didn't. Uh, yeah. Just to make sure that I didn't make a mistake. That as like the on again, off again collaborator is like, I'm not technically right. wrong. <laughs> um, my get out of jail free my get out of jail free <laughs> you actually you cite bad bad not good mm-hmm. as being something of the pinnacle yes. of contemporary jazz which is a really really interesting uh uh comment i mean i i'm not i have to confess that I'm not being hugely well versed uh into their music i know there is a lot out there uh there's obviously there's a collaborative record with ghostface as well right yes they have i have the four album and i can say that time moves slow is one of the best songs i have ever heard like full stop not in the last few years just it is one of my favorite songs of all time it is a masterpiece of a song it's perfect vocal one of the bleakest songs i think i've it really is but it is gorgeous. Yes. It is such an incredible song. Uh, I, you know, I just obviously adore that that song so much. So I mean, any 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 group or anyone that's going to be able to put together a song as good as that, uh, then I'm always going to have 
uh, a heck of a lot of time for it's a gorgeous record and that four album in of itself is, is brilliant okay. uh, i just haven't had the, the got around to kind of exploring their catalog as much as i should have yet well four is definitely the more sort of focused jazz meets kind of post-rock sort of sound three mm. is a o- almost completely different record because it takes oh, wow. on so many different sounds and in general, it's a lot darker than four is. Oh wow! Uh, on top of the what, fact that three is entirely instrumental. Mm. What would you cite as your favorite bad, four, bad, not good release? Four, e- four easily. Oh, I, wow, I go okay. back and forth. I love, uh, I love the dynamics on three, and those sort of dynamics play uh, show up on four as well. I, I feel like just as a band, they're so it's so really hard to differentiate each other, differentiate the two records because other yeah. than sort of tone and atmosphere, they're kind of the same. But there, there's a certain inexplicable quality to them that definitely keeps them from being the exact same record, right? But the the main reason I've always looked at Bad, Bad, Not Good as the sort of the pinnacle of modern jazz is I can't think of a band that plays off of each other as well as they do. Right. Like they're, they're so intertwined with each other. And a lot of this relates back to uh, one of my old favorite bands of all time. If you've, uh, never listen to Fugazi. I'd highly recommend that you do. Because they're okay. the, the sort of the perfect example of everything that I like about Bad, Bad, Not Good shows up in Fugazi. Okay. And Where's, where's that band from? Uh, DC. Okay. They're part of the uh, po- post-hardcore movement. All right. Another one to check out. Yeah. Awesome. If you've got... To, if you've got uh, 40 minutes to kill, I think you might be able to find it in its full entirety. Uh, look up Fugazi's document. It's a okay. doc. Uh, I think it's called document. Hold on, let me double check just to make sure. But a, it's a documentary, but more, also more of like a uh, tour log following the band around. Hmm. Yes, yes. It's a two-hour documentary slash film slash tour log. And it'll make you want to start a band. (laughs) Brilliant. That's excellent. (laughs) But So Fugazi and Bad Bad Not Good have this tendency of where they all sort of lock in on each other and they're all sort of rhythmically uh, following each other. And it just creates this beautiful band tension. And that's always been the reason that I loved uh, Bad, Bad, Not Good, Fugazi, and on this Leland Witty project, uh, the Leland Witty and Matthew Tavares projects, there's points in the record where they lock into each other and they're playing off of each other so brilliantly. That, Bravo. Yeah. Just, it just, the most captivating thing that I've heard this year. 
Well, you've you've sold it beautifully, and uh, it's certainly one I'll. Uh, mm. uh, you've, there's a few records on your list that I'm I'm very intrigued to actually look at. I know a few songs from each, mainly again from your show. So uh, I've got a, a list of about three or four, I think, that I uh, will have to kind of explore further. And I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, being the Suave, the Cansano, uh, the Juicy, uh, the MSV Project, and uh, the Matthew Tavares and Leland Whitty one as well. So um yeah i look forward to kind of exploring each of them uh further yeah as, as soon as i can and I, i'm looking at your list i'm definitely realizing that i've got a ton of releases that i've got to catch up on too <laughs> we'll have to, we should we should really do uh our best of like in this case for 2020 we should do our best of 2020 at the end of 2021 mm-hmm to kind of give everyone time like that's when people should do their best of so you've got all that year and the next year to catch up on everything right uh, and then you put it out at the end of the following year <laughs> I, I, hey I, I totally agree with that idea because i feel i always feel like e- even with all the 2020 releases that i picked up this year i feel like i barely scratched the surface yeah. of what came out and there, there's a ton of yeah. stuff that i'm still missing yeah uh well yeah i imagine again if we could if i heard all of yours and you heard all of mine our lists will probably look a little bit different and they'll probably merge a little bit more so yeah that's the cool thing about it well i I also kind of think that maybe the order might be swapped around but i think we might end up liking a lot of the same stuff as well yeah yeah i guess so i got I, i guess i have a little project ahead of me just uh going through the the records that you listed as highlights and telling you which ones i i would keep on there as well yeah i I look forward to that yeah hopefully you can uh yeah spend some time again i hope if anything uh, i hope you'll just check out international anthems bandcamp page uh just for some of their their recent releases i think i'm they've just released one by brandy younger which i haven't heard yet Mm -hmm. uh but before that i'm fairly fairly ish up to date on their releases and over the last couple of years fairly up to date so um there's some really really cool stuff and uh i i imagine that some of it would be really really uh right up your your alley so hopefully you'll you'll want to check them out at some point yeah i recommend them cool cool uh being a, being a chicago lad yourself of course yeah no i always try to show love to chicago artists whenever i can yeah yeah i think you'll like them a lot um and on that note uh yes. clocking over two hours currently for this conversation yeah, no, I, was, awesome. I was impressed too yeah I, I i could go i could yeah i could more i could talk to you about but uh uh for uh for the purposes of <laughs> editing and everyone and else's attention fans yeah <laughs> now's probably a good time to uh to draw a conclusion uh but it gives us lots more to talk about next time hopefully which won't be too far away uh as you know uh having having been on this show several times uh we have a closing song and uh may i ask if you have a, had a moment to pick out something to send people home happy with sure and originally i thought about just picking something from my favorites of 2020 Mm. but you know in light of everything that was going on or in light of the recent passing of mf doom i decided to dive deep into uh his catalog with a track that i think really embodies you know no no doom's always been known for his amazing unbelievable wordplay 
but he also doesn't get nearly enough credit for his uh, storytelling ability. Right. So I went to one of the first projects that I picked up from him, which is the Victor Vaughn project. Wow. Yeah. And when I first bought this record, I didn't like it at all. The beats <laughs> sounded the the beats sounded nothing like a lot of the boom bap stuff that I was really into, and uh, MF Doom just seemed like he was not even trying to ride the beat at all. <laughs> but there was one moment in the record where everything just clicked for me and was like, this song is absolute genius. And as a result of that song, as a result of that track, I went back and listened to the record again and again and really started to uh, appreciate uh, the, the off kilter sound of MF Doom. So my selection is going to be from Victor Vaughn or Victor Vaughn. The name of the album is Vaudeville Villain. And the track is going to be Let Me Watch. Perfect closer, dude. Perfect closer. I, I think it's MF Doom storytelling at its absolute finest. I've played it for friends and every time that they walk away from it when the, uh, the, the, the sort of twist in the, the story hits, everybody's on the floor laughing. Diamond chip script style with the matching bracelet. Sweats with the K Swiss. Athletic chick who run track. Hey, miss. Plus, it's all mine. Please call me Vic. Okay, I did a full inspection. Head to toe, we rock black denim. Flash the grin, sweetest sin. Said to him, hey, my name's Nikki. You're 20 minutes late and almost missed me. Turn off my CD. I was bumping vintage Biggie. Said, I love the way you smile, but your eyes look tricky. Yo, I gotta be home by 8.30 or my mom's will kill me. She spazzes out when I'm late. Plus, she says that I'm too young to date. So overprotective. I wish she'd take a sedative and shit. Yeah, but that's whatever. What's your perspective? Tell me more about you, Vic. It's love at first sight. That's the proof. He wasn't outright too thirst, but in truth. Fresh as a Mayflower, face like power. He had the green light. She asked him what's a Canaanite. Flavor of the night, Sam Sarah and Fahrenheit. He talked, I listened. He listened, I spoke. We walk arm in arm and split a cherry coke. Spit religion and politics. Sega and chess, roots and culture. Hip hop, skunk and cess. I caught him sneaking peeks at my breast while front and name dropping connects. First started out like she was just born's friend. Used to act grown for pretend, whispering, speaking on the phone for hours on end, on the bone from just listening, and then call me back, my mother. Spoke the tone again. Call back and do the same thing tomorrow. If something don't give, I'll be forced to ignore her. Getting on my last nerves, forget it. All this talking 
shit it if he ain't even hit it yet It's uncharacteristic of the vet Hickey's on my neck the whole last night I couldn't sleep Practice the words I use to greet you The next time we meet Think of you and feel heat That make my cheeks blush Close my eyes and feel your touch Get chills when you slip me tongue Picture me with you Could my fantasies of teen love come true? Got me wondering how far I go to prove My mom's and everybody wrong I miss you every time I hear a love song And whenever you're gone Until I see you then I feel short of breath I think maybe I'm ready to take the next step Yes Bet, I got your cab fare, dinner and a movie Bring a change of clothes just in case it's all groovy Watch when I see you, I miss you a lot, yo How about a nightcap, maybe a bottle of mold So V can bite your titties like a baby toddler, ho Oh, no, you didn't, you called me your what? Don't make me wig out How you gonna let some shit like that slip out your mouth? Now, if I was there, I'd smack you in your smirk For acting like a jerk, thought you was cool But now I doubt the shit is gonna work I'm not hurt, I'm pissed off, kiss off, fuck this shit I know I played too much Hey, on the way, could you please pick up two Dutch? Okay, peace. See you when you touch. I wonder if she ever had a cootie cat, 8-8. Vaughn can't wait too long, stroke it on the late, late. Wait, first let's get this shit straight, straight. Right Don't now. call me out my name, I'm not the one to get played, played out. Niggas go figure them out, they're all the same, same. With a lame, lame story, like my ex-man Mike. Got my best friend pregnant and he's still trying to call me. Well, fuck Mike and fuck Vic too. I wound up on Prozac. From all the shit he put me through Only been off my prescription three weeks And you got me flipping, ripping my hair out Never thought you'd treat me like a pigeon I'm out, it's over, I'm gone So long I'd rather masturbate than fuck with Vic Vaughn I'd rather masturbate than fuck with Vic Vaughn Let me watch I'd rather masturbate than fuck with Vic Vaughn Still, so, so, so what time you gonna be here, yo? Wait, yo, just holler, bring the buzzer. Three.